Amen. Thank you, Rita. Good stuff. What a gift. What a gift. And we have a gift for you. It's a pen right there in front of you. If you want to take notes, while I was gone to Hawaii, they broke out the uh, note cards. Love it. So if you need to take notes, take that pen and use it. Use it to uh, bless somebody during the week. Amen? It's got our website on there, and people can find us and uh, get connected. I love that. Thank you to uh, Landon and Isaiah as they cared for things while Christy and I were gone. Uh, what a blessing these guys are. And everyone who works behind the scenes, uh, making sure everything happens the way it needs to happen. What a privilege to be a part of the family of God. Amen? So th this little old lady, she uh, goes to the doctor, and she says, Hey, doc, I have this problem with gas. But it really doesn't bother me too much. They never smell, and they're always silent. As a matter of fact, I've passed gas at least 20 times since I've been in here in your office. You didn't know it because they, they don't smell and they're silent. doctor says, I see. Now take these pills and come back to see me next week. Next week, the lady comes back. She says, Doc, I don't know what you gave me. She said, but now when I pass gas, although they're still silent, they stink terribly. Doc says, good. Now that we've cleared up your sinuses, let's work on your hearing. Okay. That is, that's awful. That's terrible. And we don't have that problem in our house, do we? At all. It, it's one of those crazy things, you know, everybody has issues, and yet we think we're the only one, right? So we're in a series entitled Heart for the House. And what a time we've had the last couple of weeks, um, Landon and all the, the videos of people who shared. Uh, what a powerful time that was. Christy and I actually uh, got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, which was 9 o'clock your time, and we were watching online. That was exciting. And 4.30, the, the uh, online service kicked in for us. And uh, what, what, a, what a gift. And I just want to thank those of you who have given to make sure that those things just keep happening every week. I remember when, when we asked for a generous offering to, to uh, actually get the equipment to do that. And many of you responded and said, hey, I'll sacrifice. And now we have thousands of people that watch online. And they're touched by what happens in this house. It doesn't just stay here. It goes around the world. It even reaches in Hawaii. It reaches to Indonesia. My brother watches uh, and some of his kids. So, you know, our investment produces results that we'll never know about until we get to heaven. There's going to be some moments in heaven where we're just blown away by the blessing that we've been and we didn't even know it. Um. I grew up in church. I grew up in a, in a church in Wichita, Kansas. My dad was the pastor. Grew up in the house of God. And when I look back at all the lessons and the, the hours that everyone poured into my life, my growth, my development, I'm amazed and I, I feel incredibly blessed. I remember I, I was just kind of going through some things uh, this week. I remember studying about fruit in the Bible and, and our children's church teacher brought a pomegranate. Well, I've never seen a pomegranate in my life. I, don't, I didn't know where she got it. I'm like, this is crazy. And it broke off into the, all these little pieces. And I'm like, that's, that's the weirdest fruit I've ever seen. Because I'm like apples, oranges. Yeah, I'm in uh, bananas. But, but pomegranate. And I, I'll never forget that lesson in children's church. And sitting under the, the patient teaching of many Sunday school teachers, 
yeah, I was a brat. I'll admit it. At least that's what some people told me. Um, I didn't see it that way at the time. But they taught me about the love of God. They taught me uh, how to love others. I learned, I learned how to honor those above me, those over me in the Lord. I learned how to start a fire, tie knots, as I camped out with other boys in Royal Rangers. I didn't like Royal Rangers unless we went on a camp out because it was work. We had, to, we had to memorize stuff. I memorized the Royal Ranger code. I can't remember it right now, but <laughs> it was like honor, serve, obey, give, and then the last one was always my favorite, etc. I always added et cetera, because that's what they had in their little code. <laughs> and as I grew older, you know, I, I learned how to listen, how to interact with other teenagers and adults. I learned how to share my thoughts around campfires as we went camping and canoeing on youth retreats. I learned how to worship. I learned how to appreciate music. Uh, our church was, we had a lot of young people a lot of uh, teenagers and a lot of older people. And there were times when we would bring in singing groups to our church, and sometimes it was just for the older people. And we'd listen to how the song goes, and, the, and they'd sing about Jesus. And I learned to appreciate all kinds of music. And then they'd bring in groups every once in a while that were just for the teenagers. And the old people would put up with our music as we put up with their music. I learned what it, what it meant to just honor uh, everything and everyone. I learned how to sing in front of people. I learned how to memorize scripture. I was in Bible quiz, and we learned portions of scripture, and even one year we learned an entire book of the Bible. I memorized the book of James. Memorized Hebrews, I memorized Acts, and and those were things that I I don't take lightly. It was hard work at the time. It was an investment, but people were pouring into me and encouraging me and pushing me in the direction I should go. And uh, today I am who I am because of those formative years. I learned how to snow ski. Lived in Kansas where there's no mountains, okay? Well, they, there's mountains. They're, they call them Flint Hills. But you can't ski in them. You know, you got to go to Colorado, which was next door. So we would go to Colorado on ski trips. I learned how to ski. I learned how to study the Bible. I learned how to sing in front of people. I learned how to harmonize in music. I learned how to play the piano and the trumpet. I learned how to lead and help the younger kids by volunteering and, and doing ministry. I learned how to work in our bus ministry, deal with kids, and talk to people who didn't really care about Jesus. They just wanted a free breakfast. I learned all that in church. I, I had significant adults and, and youth leaders, youth sponsors. They weren't paid, but they invested their life and their time into us teenagers. They poured their love into us and, and they, they modeled what it was to be a Christ follower. I'll never forget Austin and Lois Stutes and Orman and Linda White. They would take us on trips and they would, they would chaperone us and they would set up tents and cook breakfast and, and lunch and dinner and, and, and they would just show us what, what does a real normal Jesus follower look like. They weren't flashy. They didn't stick out in the crowd. They just loved Jesus and they loved us as teenagers. They, uh, they impacted my life. They were consistent. They were steady. They were genuine. And, and we could talk to them. And Lois taught our, our Sunday school class that we had right around 100 
uh, teenagers in there. And, and I remember she would just cry every week. I don't remember much about what she taught us, but I remember the tears. One thing I do remember, she talked about marriage. And it was an eye-opener for me because I'm like, marriage is all about sex, right? As a teenager, that's what you're thinking. Okay, that's what I was thinking. And she talked about waking up to her husband who had pizza stuck in his teeth and the, the, the putrid breath he had. I'm thinking, wow, that's kind of scary. But she talked about what love really looks like. And as she prayed, she, she wept. And it made an impact on this kid. I thank God for that. I had some godly friends as a teenager. Friends like Gary Stevens, who died not, not long after that. Gary Pierce and Dave Fox and Ernest Alexander. They sharpened me. They pushed me to greatness. They pushed me to stay on the right path. The scripture says iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens the countenance of another. And we become like those we spend time with. And I spent time in, in with, with friends who were godly. And it made an impact on my life. I'm so grateful for how I grew up. I grew up in the house, the house of God. And obviously some lessons were more important than others, but they all influenced me greatly and helped me develop into the person I am today. And if you just go to church and leave every week, you're missing out. You're missing out on connecting, on growing in your faith. You're missing out on experiencing and sharing in community with some wonderful people. The Apostle Paul describes us all as being part of the body of Christ. I like to think of us as being a, a piece of an amazing puzzle. Even if everyone finds their fit, you know, except for one person, the puzzle is incomplete can never be as beautiful as if all the pieces are put together. Also, no other pieces will fit where you're supposed to go. Nudge your neighbor and say, you're unique. We need you in the puzzle. You see, if, if, if your puzzle piece isn't in the, the puzzle, we've got a hole that can't be filled. And I pray and, and hope that you search until you find where your peace fits. Because the Lord has blessed you with an opportunity to be a part of something that will change your life over time. And if you get involved, will change someone else's life over time. It's something that you can invest your life in, your gifts in. And in the process, you help others connect learn and grow in the Lord. And, and God wants to give you a heart for the house, his house. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 4, the Lord speaks through the, his prophet and he says, why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? It was one of those wake-up calls. It was one of those moments where God said, look, you're kind of focusing on your own thing, your house, and really... It should be about my house. And, and it's so easy to get our focus wrong. It's easy for our focus only to be on temporary stuff, right? Because that's what's in front of us. And we lose sight of, of that which is eternal. And I believe God wants to get your attention again. And he wants to direct our attention to his house. Because that's where eternal things happen. I remember... Uh, I'm sitting in my house in Bluegrass, Iowa. We lived in Bluegrass, Iowa. Just picture it. We had one stoplight and one cop. And he loved that stoplight. Yeah. 
He probably had one bullet, too. I don't know. I, I'm guessing. But I, I was sitting in, in my chair, and I was distracted by something, and, and Isaiah was about two or three years old at the time, was sitting on my lap. I can't remember if I was reading or if I was watching television, but I do remember this specifically. Out of nowhere, in my mind, I feel two hands, one on each side. He grabbed me like that, and he pulled me into him, and he said, Dad, I'm talking to you. It was one of those wake-up moments, right, where, where your kids are trying to get your attention. And, and I'm wondering if, if God is not trying to get our attention sometimes. And we're, we're distracted. We're looking off in so many different directions. Uh, one of my favorite worship songs right now that uh, SCU wrote, South, Southeastern University, and, and our, uh, our niece sings the song. It's, Our Eyes Are On You. All eyes on you, all eyes on you, never going to look away. No, never, no, never. Never going to look away. No, never, no, never, no, never. All eyes on you, all eyes on you. Never going to look away. No, never, no, never. It, it, and every time I sing it, I'm thinking, yeah, Lord, that's how I want to live. I, I want to live... Not with my eyes on my house, but my eyes on your house. My eyes on you. I, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be what you want me to be. I want my life to be exactly how you designed it to be. Don't want to miss out on a thing. I don't want your house to lie in ruins. And so God calls us to invest. Somebody say invest. Yes. Invest always means there's a return coming. Right? I invest and I know I'm getting something back. So we invest in the house for our own good and yet for the good of other people. It's easy to just show up and leave. That's easy. Tell your neighbor, that's easy. Easy just to show up and leave. Spectating church. That's what it is. Spectating. Spectating church will rarely lead to a real impact on our lives. Investing in the church, in the house, through serving will not only grow us and increase our connection, but it will provide a place to apply what God's teaching us. Growing up, my parents made us do chores. Can I get a witness? Do any of you still do that to your children? Come on. And you know what the deal is. They're trying to teach you. We're trying to teach our children. My parents were trying to teach me that being a part of a family has expectations. Being a part of a family has expectations. It's not just a party we show up to. How many know that parties, you got to plan them. You got to get things set up. And when it's over, you got to clean up, clean up. Everybody everywhere, clean up, clean up. Everybody do your share. Ah, yeah. Even the kids know that one, right? <laughs> Being a part of a family has expectations. There are no cleaning fairies to pick up after us. Being a part of a family means we all have a role to play. Guests show up and guests leave, but family members connect and invest in the family. And most of the people who come to church are looking for a place to belong. Most of the people we see leaving a church are people who didn't feel connected. And connection's not magical. It's not a magical thing, wave a wand and I'm connected. It's not going to just happen. Like any relationship, engaging with the church takes effort on both sides. 
Finding a place to serve within the church is not only a biblical expectation, it's a great way to really get plugged in. And like people, no church is perfect. And if you find a perfect church, don't go there because you'll mess it up. <laughs> so true. Like any good relationship, you don't run away because it's hard or messy. The best relationships are ones that have endured storms, overcome frustrations, and stayed true even when doing so wasn't easy. And the church is no different. I want to hear an amen from Laura because I... There's two sides to that story. Come on. Amen. Yeah. The more we invest in the church, the more we get out of the church. The more we invest in our marriage, the more we get out of our marriage. The more we invest in any relationship, the more we get out of it. Investing brings return. It's simple. But somehow we lose sight of that fact. When you connect to a church through power groups, invest in service, you become engaged. Nothing will make you feel more at home in a church than engaging in it. Engagement will give you a sense of ownership, of value, and of community. Engagement will turn the church from a room full of people to your spiritual family. And we need family. Engagement will make the church feel like home. So if, like many, what you're searching for is a place to belong, a community where you can grow, be accepted, be loved, the best thing you can do is connect to a power group and invest in serving. Get God's heart for the house. And let me just say, there's a sign-up table out here under the tent. I don't know if you saw it or not. <laughs> On those tables are uh, many places where you can get involved and begin to serve and get connected and uh, make a difference in someone's life. I, th I think it's exciting. Uh, since we started this series, we've had 46 new people sign up so far. New people, yeah, people that haven't been serving before. And 60 positions have been filled. Come on. That's exciting. Amen. Go ahead and clap. Yeah. In John chapter 10, Jesus, uh, Jesus makes a statement. John 10, 10, he says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. So anytime you see destruction, death, and uh, something that's been stolen from you, you know where it's coming from. And then Jesus says, but my purpose the reason why I came is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And another translation says to give them life to the fullest. Life to the fullest extent possible. Most people aren't living life to the fullest. Most people don't have a rich and satisfying life. They're empty, they're looking for things, and, and you know, you're, you're trying to fill your God-sized hole with something that doesn't fit. I mean, you know, I, I've, even in Hawaii, we, we were like blown away at how many people come there, and we were in one, one spot for like five days, and every day there were new visitors, and they all come down to the beach and go, I've arrived, I'm here. Like, this is going to change everything. This is going to fix life. What you find out is you can go on a billion trips. You can go everywhere in the world. And you're never going to find that satisfaction. That only comes from Jesus. He says, I've come that you might have life to the fullest. And most people have full lives, right? They're always going from one place to another, from one accomplishment to another, and often from one relationship to another. And many people's schedules are full, but that's a far cry from living life to the fullest. First and foremost, living life to the fullest starts with Jesus. 
you can't find full life without Jesus. And without him, everything else becomes meaningless. And secondly, living life to the fullest is discovering your unique design, the gifts God has blessed you with, and then using them for God's glory to minister to someone else. God designed you in your uniqueness. Did you know that? God designed you uniquely the way you are. You're one of a kind. Tell your neighbor that. You're one of a kind. Ain't nobody like you. Ain't nobody like you. No, yeah. Romans chapter 5 verse 2 says in the Living Bible, For because of our faith, he has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to actually becoming all that God has had in mind for us to be. There's this excitement in us that says, I'm becoming what God has designed me to be, and I'm excited about that. I'm stepping into something that has been my future, something that God has planned for me, and he's given me this highest privilege. You're one of a kind. There's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why you found life in Jesus. And if you haven't found life in Jesus yet, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today. And you can walk out of here knowing God, and it will change everything. Hallelujah. You, you, got a, you have a unique mission. So how does God want to use your uniqueness to tell his story? What are you good at? That could be turned into ministry. You can use anything God has gifted you for ministry. And it's a beautiful thing when you discover that. So you ask yourself, what's easy for me? What comes naturally for me? What's easy for me to do? Turn that into ministry. God has a unique plan and a purpose for you because you're one of a kind. And you know what? We all want to know that our life matters. We want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We're wired for this. We are hardwired for significance. God put it in us to make a difference. Oswald Chambers says, if you're going to be used by God, he will take you through a multitude of experiences that are not meant for you at all. They're meant to make you useful in his hands. Could it be that every pain you have, every problem you have, has a purpose? And that purpose might just not be about you. It might be about someone God wants to bring near you so you can minister to them the way he ministered to you while you were in that pain, while you were going through that mess. Some of the greatest marriage counselors had incredible marriage problems. And they found some secrets and God blessed them and God spoke to them and used them. And now today, they're taking their pain and turning it into an answer for someone else. What's easy for you? What has God gifted you with? What pain have you been through? What problem have you dealt with and finally found the solution? And, and God has given you answers and now you're an answer book. You've got, you've got a key to the test. <laughs> you might as well pull the curtain back and let somebody know how to get through this thing. Come on. You're unique. God has a plan. God has a design just for you. And he wants you to make a significant difference. We don't go to church. We are the church. Amen. I remember my first year in college, 
I went to Friends University and uh, went on a trumpet scholarship. But I love basketball. And so in my free time, I go to the gym, play in some pickup games. And, and it wasn't but a, about a month into the first semester, I was playing a pickup game and got a rebound and came down on a guy's foot, twisted my right ankle, tore every ligament in my ankle, and was on crutches for six weeks. I couldn't drive with my right foot. I had to use the, my left foot to put my right foot over you know, the console. It, it was a real pain, trying to get around campus on crutches and, and uh, lived with that pain for a long time and, and always kind of had a weak ankle. Then my next year, I went to Bible college and I went out for the, the basketball team and, and I was accepted and started playing on the team. And I met a guy named Dale. Uh, Dale was about that tall. Was, wasn't a good basketball player at all. But Dale didn't have the gift of basketball. He had the gift of taping. Dale taped ankles. He taped a lot of things, but almost every one of us had our ankles taped before every practice, before every game. Because what they knew was there are some weak areas in your body that need some support. If those aren't taken care of, you can't play to your fullest. And so every, every day, sit there, Dale would tape the ankles. Dale never made it onto the floor to play. But Dale was there in spirit because he had prepared us for things to come. Nobody ever said, go, Dale. Come on, Dale. You can make that shot. He didn't shoot. Sorry. Dale taped. But we won games because Dale was willing down in the locker room, in the dungeon, when nobody was cheering him on, to go ahead and do what his gift was and fulfill his calling to take care of everybody else's ankles and knees. And I doubt if anybody, really, I mean, he was in the pictures. He was at the end, end and, you know, kind of kneeling down because that made him a little less short than some of the other guys. But the reality is Dale was as necessary as our seven foot three center. Necessary. And then I met Glenn. Glenn Forsey. Glenn didn't have any basketball skills because I played intramurals with him on the off season. Yeah. But Glenn kept our uniforms clean. He washed them every week. Washed all the towels we used in practice, all the towels we used to shower with, all the towels we used to wipe sweat. He got that stuff clean every single week. Nobody's out yelling, Glenn, go, Glenn, go, Glenn. But Glenn was vital. And I don't know what God's called you to do, but whatever he has, wherever it's easy for you, wherever you fit, He's got a plan for you, and you are vital to the team. Not everyone can be on stage, but everyone's vital. Be who you already are. You are always made free from something to become free for something. Our heart here at the Power Place is that people will know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Know God. Find freedom. Discover purpose. Make a difference. Know God. 
find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. You see, as you make a difference, you help someone else know God so they can find freedom, so they can discover their purpose, so they can make a difference in someone else's life, so they can know God and find freedom and discover their purpose and make a difference in someone else's life so they can know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, make a difference in someone else's life so they... I could go on. You want me to? Or you got it? I think we got it, right? And sometimes we lose, lose sight of that. And yet, God wired us for this. And you win in that process. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, I have been a constant example, Paul is saying, of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And as you give, you're being more blessed than if you were on the receiving end. And as you give of yourself, there's more blessings coming back at you because you're investing, right? An investment always has a return. Life will never make sense to you until you serve someone else. Life will never make sense for you unless you start giving of yourself. God hardwired us that our greatest need in life is to be fulfilled, to be able to say, I'm making a difference. It's, it's, it's part of how we're designed. We all need to be serving where it's not hard for us. And the sooner we begin to serve and lead, the quicker we grow in Christ. Doing, not listening, brings growth. Doing, not listening, brings growth. Doing, not listening, brings growth. I just, a couple months back, it was Landon's birthday, and Allie called us, and she said, I got a surprise for Landon, and then Isaiah got in on it because his birthday was coming soon, and, and uh, she said, we're, we're going to take these guys, and, and they're going to go skydiving inside. Like skydiving inside, how does that work? Well, there's this big tube, and they got these big fans. And so we went and watched these guys, and the, the interesting thing to me was they had this, this little inner, uh, what do you call it? Like a, they're going to tell you what to do, right? Thank you. That. <laughs> Instruction time. And so they instructed them on what to do. But the interesting thing is you don't really learn in the instruction time. You learn in the flying time. Because then you figure out, oh, I've got to move my body in a certain position in order for that to go. And if you move wrong, you're going off to the side or you're, you're going. It, it, it's crazy. And the guy's in there to help you, but it's in the doing, not the listening, that we grow. I can tell you all day how to hit a golf ball. I can talk to you about it. Tim Brown can show you how to do it. You can watch him all day long. You can listen all day long. And yet, if you don't pick up a stick put the ball on the tee, and go ahead and take a swing, you're not going to learn. It's in, look at that, speak of the ball. Where did that come from? I think, whoa, 
That was... Y'all aren't very good at throwing the ball. I can just tell you that. It's in doing, not listening, that you grow. And so somehow in the church, we've kind of got this idea, if I just come and listen, I'm going to grow. You don't grow that way. You grow by taking what you hear and putting it into practice. You grow by taking what you know and blessing somebody else with it. You grow as you begin to do things. You can tell me all day how to use a hammer, but if I don't pick it up and start to swing it, I'm never going to learn. That hammer drill thing. What do you call that thing, Bob? Hammer drill. Thank you. Bob gets shaky every time he asks me to pick that thing up. He's like, I don't know what you're going to do with it, but go ahead and try. You know, but it's in the doing that I'm learning. And I can use it better today than I used to. Huh, Bob? I'm learning. <laughs> you can listen all day, but if you don't do, you never gain any skills. And Landon has said it, I think Isaiah said it, we don't really want anything from you, but we want everything for you. We want to help you grow. We want to help you win, to live life to the fullest. And Landon mentioned this uh, in his message, how giving and helping others stimulates your brain the same way that food and sex stimulate the, the brain. Chemicals are released in your body that make you feel good. And when you're giving of yourself when you're helping someone else, not only do you feel good, it brings healing to your body. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. It, it's, it's a blessing. God wired us this way. You win by giving. You win by helping others. And uh, Stephen Furtick mentioned this week, you exercise your gift and grow it like a muscle. You're not spending it like money to where you're not going to get it back. You're exercising your gift. And it's growing. Every time you do something, your gift is growing. And it's becoming more usable by God. I got to thinking about uh, some of the people that serve around here. And I, I'm going to probably get in trouble because I'll forget somebody. But bear with me, all right? Because we have a, a, some dream teamers and we got more coming on board. Hallelujah. And you can do the same. You can sign up today and, and uh, make sure that you become a part of this, this blessing of serving, this blessing of giving. But I was just thinking back to, to some of the things I see around here on a weekly basis. We've got dream teamers during the week, like uh, they're behind the scenes. Nobody, nobody's cheering them on, nobody's watching, nobody's going, yeah, clean that toilet, clean that toilet, you got it, you got it. I watch uh, Kim Connolly vacuum here every week. Nobody sees her. She comes in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever she has time and just vacuums the place. Uh, Liz Marini cleans the bathrooms almost every week. Just shows up. Nobody's told her she has to do that. But she just comes and, and cleans the toilets and the, the bathrooms. And uh, Kim Brown's cleaning the cafe and the lobby. The Sanchez family, they're cleaning, overseeing the facilities crew putting out the directional signs, you know. Uh, see Susie Miller and Taylor and Jordan, they're, they're vacuuming the sanctuary and setting up chairs and putting things back together, and, and they seem to be happy doing it. Are you? <laughs> oh, she loves it. I know she does. I see Billie Jean Reinheimer come here every week, copying lessons, Cutting out crafts, setting up, preparing for class. I watch Bob Wilkinson and Matt Doughton, Alex Gretsch, Stan Wojcik, Mike Devano, Richie Banker. They help out on projects. They're building stuff. They're fixing broken things, maintaining the building. When we first moved into this, this space, many of you 
helped out with Anthony Lewis and Richie Reinheimer building these walls and putting things together, Sean Kuhn and, and Bob doing the tile work and, and the painting that, that took place. Every, every piece was taken care of. I watched Harry Weatherby and Rodney Choffrey and Eric Ward and Chad Ward working on the electric and running wires and making sure we've got wires that run to every room so we can do televisions in there so the nursery staff can know what's going on. There was an entire crew of people that did a, an extreme home makeover for Jennifer Schaefer at her house. It was during the time when Christy was doing her, having her cancer surgery and I was involved in that. I never got over there, but I got to see the pictures and see the, uh, the before and the after and how everybody just came together and served and blessed the transformation that took place. And I know Carol Reinemann is behind the scenes every week scheduling dream teamers, every week. Mark Poor is scheduling the ushers. He's overseeing the usher team. Linda Simmers, behind the scenes, is, is running that cafe team, overseeing it, setting up during the week, preparing the communion, cleaning up after Sunday, and lots, lots more. We've got nursery dream teamers who are under the direction of Allie, and, and they are every Sunday morning spending their morning caring for kids, changing diapers, breaking up squabbles, <laughs> maintaining order and sanity, and teaching our children what it looks like to love the Lord. And nobody really cheers them on. They just give of themselves every week. You got Caroline Poor and her dream team creating an environment for our children to learn about Jesus and to want to follow him for the rest of their lives. They're making loving Jesus exciting. You got the prayer team who spend hours and hours in prayer each week in spiritual warfare for this house, for this leadership team. The behind the scenes, nobody ever sees them. They're creating an atmosphere that makes it easy for people to find Jesus and experience miracles. They're vital. Our media team, they show up early every week. They hone their skills to make sure everything runs seamlessly so there's no distractions during worship and so that the online worship experience is flawless. We've got a worship team. They practice all week long. They rehearse during the week. They rehearse early every Sunday to lead us with excellence into the presence of the Lord. You got greeters who come with a smiling face and a warm handshake, and they're ready to serve and ready to give of themselves. And there, there's so many, many more who are giving and doing their part in the house. And all of this is to create an atmosphere so people can have an encounter with Jesus. And sometimes in the midst of serving, we lose sight of why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I changing this diaper? Why have I been in here for an hour and a half with these kids? <laughs> it's, it's so people can know Jesus. So they can find freedom. So they can discover their purpose. So they can make a difference. So somebody else can know God. Find freedom discover their purpose and make a difference. Imagine with me if no one cared. No one vacuumed, no one cleaned up, no one cleaned the bathrooms. You've been in the restrooms of some facilities where it looked like nobody cared. What if nobody ever mopped or picked up, nothing was ever set up ahead of time? What if, what if nobody ever prayed, didn't care enough to create the atmosphere? Imagine if no one prepared lessons for the children. Or if everyone just decided to sleep in instead of taking care of the kids in the nursery. Imagine with me if no diapers were ever changed in the nursery. No bottles were ever fed. Imagine if the worship team never rehearsed. Imagine if nothing ever was fixed around here. What kind of atmosphere would there be? 
What if, what if everyone just showed up to get and not to give? What if Katie Everett never brought any cupcakes? But we're there hanging out going, where's the cupcakes at? Where's the cupcakes? I came here for a cupcake. What if? Nobody cared how these chairs were set up or if the backs of the seats were stocked. What if nobody cared about the parking lot or the, the paint on the wall? What, what would happen? What kind of atmosphere would there be? I'll tell you, it would be an atmosphere of chaos. It'd be a mess. And yet God is a God of excellence and order. Amen. And he wants the best for us. And he knows how best we thrive. We thrive in our sweet spot. Doing what's easy for us. What's easy for you is not easy for me. What's easy for me is not easy for you. God hasn't called you to pastor this church. Okay. But he's called you here for a reason. What's easy for you? Get up and do it. Get up and do it. Hallelujah. Get in your sweet spot. Get somewhere where it's not hard for you. But the reality is we've got to give ourselves to God first. Romans chapter 12, and I close with this. I am actually closing. How about that? Romans 12 verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Yeah, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some, some extra energy. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some finance. It's going to cost you. It's a sacrifice. But he says, let, let your body be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We sang it this morning, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. Wrong key. I'm in the wrong key. That's me. You are the one our our hearts adore. We're going to sing that again in a moment. But the way we love him is we're working alongside with him. So give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And then he says in verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world because, you know, when you were in the world, it was all about you, right? All about getting, if I could just get, if I could just have. And, and yet he says, don't copy that way, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. You're going to find yourself in your sweet spot. His will for you is good. It's pleasing and it's perfect. You fit there. You fit in his will. You don't really fit outside of that. That's, that's why some of us are floundering because we haven't found where God wants to plug us in as that piece of the puzzle. And he goes on and he says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Well, I, yeah. He says, be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And we all belong to each other. 
Take your neighbor's hand real quick. If you're close to somebody, take their hand. I know it's nasty sometimes. i got sweaty palms. But hey, we all belong to each other. We're all connected. Every one of us. Okay, you can let go. That, that was kind of weird. Sorry. He continues on in his grace. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. And if if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't be grumpy when you're serving. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Get a heart for the house. Get a heart for the house. Listen, someone here today, you need to know God. You need to know God today so you can find freedom, so you can discover your purpose, so you can make a difference. Others in this room, you already know God, but but you need to find freedom by connecting in God to relationships so you can settle your yesterdays, so you can move into your future. Others of us, we've already found freedom in Jesus, but we need to discover our purpose so we can fulfill the unique design of our Creator, so we can make a difference in someone else's life. And still others of us, we need to go ahead and use the purpose we already know we were designed for and make a difference in someone else by serving. Amen? So they can know God and find freedom and discover their purpose so they can make a difference in their world so someone else can know God and find freedom discover their purpose so they can make a difference in their world so somebody else can know God just close your eyes with me for a minute and give the person next to you the privacy of this moment maybe you're here this morning you say you know what preacher I want to know God today I know about God but I'm not sure I've ever known him the way you know God is through a relationship with Jesus. I want to offer that to you this morning. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Things will change. It says if when you receive Jesus, you become a new creation in Christ. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. If you want to know God today, I want you just to slip up a hand because I want to pray with you. We're going to pray a prayer, and you're going to know God before you walk out this door today. Yes, someone else. I want to know God today. I want to know Jesus. I want to know that life to the fullest. Someone else. Just slip your hand up right now. Don't worry about what anybody else is thinking because the reality is we're all thinking, yeah, okay, yes. We're all thinking, hey, you, you need to know God so you can find freedom, so you can discover your purpose, so you can make a difference. Someone else, you want to know God today. Thank you, Lord, for these two who have raised their hands. Lord, we love you today. And right now, just pray with me, you guys, that raise your hands. Just pray, Jesus. I give myself to you today. 
I thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I thank you for washing me clean of all my past. I thank you that I have a brand new start in Jesus. And I thank you that I'm going to find freedom in him. And I'm going to discover my purpose. And I'm going to make a difference. Because that's your plan for my life, Lord. And so I give you myself, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving me. I will follow you every day of my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's all stand and just begin to worship the Lord this morning.